Hello everyone. Today I'm here with a Florida State University football legend, a Green Bay Packer Hall of Famer, an NFL Super Bowl champion. This guy was also named to the All-Decade team for the NFL in the 1990s. I'd like to introduce you all to Leroy Butler. We'd like to thank Mr. Butler for taking a little bit of time out of his schedule to appear on our show. So, many flavors. Mr. Butler, I'd like to just go back a little bit. When you were younger, you were diagnosed with club feet. Yeah. You had to wear leg braces and sometimes take a wheelchair to therapy. Can you tell me, at such a young age, what motivated you to get through those troubled times? Well, it was easy for me. My role model was my mom, and it was just a few key things that she always talked about when I was growing up, and she would talk about being a leader, not a follower, and she talked about, you know, you know, doing your dreams and things like that, but the one thing that stuck out of my mind, she said, whatever you want to be, you know, be good at it, and she didn't think the leg braces would cause me, you know, any harm, but she didn't think that would put me back in any way. Right. So she was, and I preset to all of the kids that that's the only way most athletes can make it if your parents were your role models. Without her, I could have made it. I understand that. When did you first decide that you were interested in playing football? That's a good question. Not, not, not a lot of people have asked me that, but I thought about it um, when I was able to get out of the leg braces. Um, I played baseball, and the first time a kid threw a baseball that almost hit me in the head, I said, well, I got to play something I can hit back. <laughs> right. So my mom was like, well, why don't you try football? I was very uncoordinated. But I always liked the idea that it was a team sport. You have to be a leader, um, and it was you had to be smart. And I said, man, you know what? I got you know, 10, 11 years old. I started playing a little bit of little league and a little junior high, and I got to be a pretty decent football player. That's good, uh, and that's a great story. You know, you have your mom as motivation, mm -hmm. a support system. Every athlete needs someone who loves yes. them just for them. Mm -hmm. And as I look at the National Football League, I found that a lot of the great professional football players come from the Florida area. Mm -hmm. You have yourself, you have Emmitt Smith, uh, Michael Irvin, yeah. Derek Brooks. Now you have, I feel, three football powerhouses down in the Florida area. You have Florida, Miami, mm -hmm. and Florida State University. Yes. Now, how do you guys decide to choose one of those schools as opposed to the other? It's tough. I think it goes to the head coach. Uh, with me, it was a little different because I'm from the inner city in the projects, and Coach Bobby Bowden, man, he came right in the projects and told my mom he was going to give me a scholarship. And I was like, man, if any, and he was the only coach to do that. The other coaches, when they found out where I stayed, you know, they really weren't interested. And I was like, well, you know, I was a little depressed by that a little bit because I got letters from everywhere because I was in high school and All-American, but he didn't really care about football. He cared about me as a person, as a young man, and he wanted to get me out of these projects because he didn't know what, what transpire of that. So I owe a lot to him just keeping me focused on the big picture and that was helping my mom with our projects. That's that's great. Um, Coach Bowden, and you know, I call him Coach as everyone else does, he's one of the greatest coaches of no all question. time. Yeah. You know, and everyone says that. Mm -hmm. Now can you tell me when you first realized, besides when I'm just coming down yeah. and in the city and, and you know getting you and trying to get you on Florida State University, yeah. can you tell me when you first realized that he was a great coach like everyone said he was? I, two things. I remember going to his office and told him I had a problem with washing some of my clothes and he wrote down his little pencil and pen, how do you wash clothes? You separate them and, and the colors from the whites and he told me how to buy you know the, the washing powder and do all that. and. 
the, the one thing that really put me on the map was against Clemson in 1988, playing in Clemson. You know, we're down by four or five points. It's raining when I own 18-yard line. And he stepped up and made a, a fake punt call. No other coach in the world would have made that call, but he made it. It was called a punt ruski. I got a fake punt. I'm running down the sideline, and Donnell Wolfer, who was the punt returner at the time, knocked me out at the one-yard line. We won the game. That's what I still it gives me goosebumps talking about it. He set himself aside from all the coaches. Not only is he the winningest active coach of all time, but he just said, you know, I'm going to give my guys a chance to win, and that's the guy I wanted to play for. Yeah, I, I mean, you ran the play. I watched it on TV, and I was yeah. like, oh, my goodness. See, I, I mean, still see the play. I hope and I score, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you almost get there every time. Yeah, yeah, almost yeah, get there every time. Yeah. I mean, they hacked it to the up back, slid it to you. Yeah. And I was like, where, where the ball go? <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and the punter jumped as if the ball went over his head. Right. And, you know, you know, Danny Ford, you know, the head coach of Clemson, I mean, you can just see, you know, him like, oh, no. And that's where I'm running down. And, you know, that game put me on the map. If he don't make the coach about don't make that call. I really don't know how my career would have went at Florida State. Yeah, I mean, Bobby Bowden, um, great coach, always has been a gambler, just like on someone else, you know, Brett Favre, you know? Right. And no you have to roll the dice, and uh, put your skill out on the line and see what mm -hmm. happens with that. Now, from Florida State, I mean, you played there three years as a starter, right. and you played with some, you know, Deion Sanders. Mm -hmm. Through that time, I'm sure you were evaluating yourself and trying to figure out, hmm, am I good enough to go in the NFL? Yeah. Am I not good enough? When did you decide that you were good enough to play in the professional football league, the NFL? I guess it would have to be, you know, my senior year, Coach Bobby Bowden called me in to take De Deion Sanders' place because I was a safety. He called me okay. in to move to corner, and he thought I can be an All-American. And not only was I All-American, I broke all of Deion Sanders' interception records, and I was a consensus All-American. And I remember getting all these letters from the NFL teams, and. I told my mom, I said, you know what, I may be able to get us out of the projects and play professional football. And you know, most moms are very optimistic. And she said, I mean, it'd be great, but she really, really didn't hit her yet. Right, right. So when it was able, you know, 1990, you know, April 30th, getting that phone call in the projects, you know, one of 32 teams, 30 teams at the time, is going to call me to put me on their squad was a very rewarding feeling. I'm sure it was. I mean, you went in the second round to the Green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. And um, through the first couple of years, you had a few losing seasons yeah. or what yeah. have you. Yeah. Now, there was a situation where you knew the Packers were going in a different direction and trying mm -hmm. to get that image back they had in the 60s of being yep. women, a winning team. Mm -hmm. When did you have that feeling that that was happening and uh, that you needed to change your game to meet that expectation? That's a good question, because when I first got there, in, in 1990, I was at Florida State. We won 30 games in right. three years. So when I got there, we lost 12. And I was like, wait a minute, it ain't supposed to go like this. Because my best friend, Emmitt Smith, went down to the Cowboys in a couple years. He won a couple Super Bowls. Right. So I'm like, man, am I going to ever win a Super Bowl? And I remember meeting this one guy, you know, kind of hillbilly looking guy with some jeans on and a shirt. And they said, that's your new quarterback. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, do you really want to get this guy? And I saw this other big guy, 6'5", 300 pounds. And they said, you know, Reggie White's coming to the team. I said, man, you know what? This thing may turn around. Right, right. And Ron Wolf was able to do something a lot of GMs wouldn't do. He got a bunch of guys with not only don't have a big name, right. but these guys really want to play for play us. Ball, and, baby. And, and that's all you need. Right. And um, I, I said, you know, after the 93 season, I said, we may have a chance to be really good. 
That's good. I mean, now when you look at Florida State, I mean, you played with some guys that, I mean, they pretty much were first, second round draft picks that were sure to go to the NFL. Yeah. In the college game, there's a difference uh, amongst the skilled players. And I mean, mm -hmm. receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, and running backs. What is the distinct difference you found between the college football players and the pro players after you played a little bit in the NFL? Speed and heart. When you come from college, you're the big man on campus. But when you get to the pros, you're just another guy that runs 4-3. There's nothing. You have to set yourself apart. And the heart of it is being able to put yourself in position to make plays and to be patient. Right. With the pros, you're not going to just start right away. So you have to, most guys, they get a little discouraged because in college, they're all American. Then they come to the pros, it's a good guy already there. So a lot of them get discouraged and they really don't pan out. But the guys who understand, like I did, when I got there, I want to learn from the veterans. I want to be on all the special teams. I want to do whatever I can to get noticed. And when I get my chance, take advantage of it. That's how I tell all little leaguers, you don't have to be the, the best guy on the field to make it to the pros. You have to be one of the smartest guys to show heart and determination you'll make it. So when you first started there, there was a lot for you to learn. And you had to go against opposition. What did you learn that made you a much better football player as opposed to how you were at Florida State? What what uh, techniques or what study skills did you develop? It was studying, because at Florida State I was so good I really didn't have to study a lot of tape because I knew a whole lot about, because I was, in my head, it was like the number tree. The guy can only run nine routes, and I figured, well, it's not that big of a deal. Right. To the pros, not only can they run those nine routes, but they can break them off if you're covered. So I said, wait a minute, I got to study. So I took all the defensive, I mean, all the defensive backs, and we got together, and we broke down the receivers, the running backs, the tight ends, and now we understand there wasn't a route. They were running to landmarks. Right. If I can get to that landmark before the receiver, I can cause a, a great collision. Right. Or I can get an interception. I understood that early on in my professional career that I did not know that at all. And at FSU, I didn't know they were doing this kind of stuff. I didn't know you were studying for two hours a day on this kind of stuff. So that's the biggest difference: speed and studying. It makes a that's the difference between a Pro Bowl player and a player that plays three years and out of the league. I understand. You have to put in your study time. Also, have to condition yourself, individuals. Right. You know, go out there and get yourself in the best shape you possibly can. Be mentally ready to play the game. No now, course. when you talk about uh, that championship team with the Packers, yeah. and you had Ron Wolf putting together all these pieces, you mentioned Reggie White. There's another guy that I want to mention who was like the opposite side of a coin for you, mm -hmm. Eugene Robinson. Mm -hmm. Eugene Robinson, I mean, you guys could basically interchange yourself, one play deep, one play close to the line, or do whatever you would like. What did you guys discuss as far as, you know, being in the secondary together mm -hmm. to make yourselves better? Thinking about Eugene Robinson makes me very emotional because he was probably the smartest guy I've ever played with. And I just remember him intercepting a lot of passes with Seattle. Excuse me, and doing a lot of those things, and I remember watching him on tape. I was like, man, you know, it'd be cool to play with that guy. And next thing you know, you know, we signed him free agent. I said, man, this is a dream come true. And this guy was very vocal. He's very smart. I mean, he was a mentor. Uh, I just really learned a lot from him. And if you had him sit in this chair, he'd probably say the same. And we, I carried that on with Darren Sharper. I just kind of moved that towards Sharper. And those two guys that I really, in the secondary, I really, really enjoy playing with.